Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast. I'm here with Steve and Mike, and we'll be covering the latest English Premier League action, the decisive second legs of the Champions League quarterfinals, and as always, give you the best betting tips in the galaxy. We'll also take a lap around the globe to discuss the latest going-ons in the biggest leagues in the world, as well as check in on our beloved MLS stateside. Steve, you buckled in? Let's ride. (laughs) Mike? You got your tongue out the window? Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, then let's start the show. Let's go. Let's go. Well, guys, we got to start where I know Steve doesn't want to start. But before that, what's the best thing you guys saw since we spoke to our delightful audience last? I will start with you, Steve, because I know what your least favorite thing was. I don't know if it was my favorite, but the thing that stuck with me this past weekend was a Timo Werner banger. Did y'all see this? Oh, I saw the clip. I I missed it. He's about to get a ball played in through the channel, and he kind of cuts it back with the outside of his foot, and it bounces up. He's about 25 yards from goal, and then he gets his feet sorted and just hits a massive volley upper 90. It was pretty special. Isn't it sick that Chelsea got rid of their only striker right as they went into let's buy every playmaker in the world mode, and now they can't score, and he's hitting bangers? Isn't that cool? It is cool. Mike, is there anything cooler that you saw? Since we spoke to our audience last? I mean, besides Chelsea not hitting bangers? Um, look. What about Bournemouth, baby? I, I, I love Bournemouth. And so I would say the cool thing that I saw was that Spurs with like, what, three minutes left? We're like, yeah, we're, we drew this level. And then Dominic Solanke comes down the end and plays a perfect little squared ball and it's like Bournemouth is safe calling it we talked I think we called it five six weeks ago like they turned it around and I mean Steve Cooper and Nottingham Forest need whatever they're drinking at the old Borneo yeah they do so let's go from the depths of the Premier League to the top of the table and stick our finger in the air and evaluate this title race because in a matter of a week, the odds have shifted. Arsenal followed up an uneven display at Anfield with a draw to West Ham. Mike, you know what I always say? One time, an anomaly. Two, a pattern. Three, a problem. Where does Arsenal go from here and are you still pegging them to bag this title steve cover your ears they lost it they lost it they had it in their hands they let liverpool back into the game they've started both games real hot looking great they're soft in the back they're soft down their left flank i mean they should have gone into the London Stadium and won this game 4-0. 
West Ham is that bad this season that this game should have been 3-4-0 by halftime, game over. I'm nervous for Saka. His penalty was really poor, missed it with a chance to go up 3-1. That probably would have ended the tie. Instead, they get quickly countered. If you look, it is the defensive mistakes that are being made right now. I think the absence of Saliba is immense. Massive. But if you're challenging for a title, how do you lose your mark on that play? It's it's lazy defending. They are mistakes that, you know, we talked about. This is a very young squad. Are they going to look the part? And they looked the part up until about two weeks ago. And now they look like the youngest team in the Prem. And that's concerning to me. Meanwhile, Erling Haaland is looking like a seasoned veteran who bangs in 40 league goals a season. Kevin De Bruyne is filthy. Jack Grealish, like the scariest thing is that Jack Grealish looks like the old Jack Grealish. Their defense, they give up one soft goal every game. It's kind of hilarious, but they are goal machines. And I just, I don't see Arsenal rolling into the Etihad and winning. I don't see them rolling into the Etihad and drawing. And I don't see Man City dropping any more points. It's really, really tough to project out any team. Never dropping points with as many fixtures left. Um, however, I do see that fixture against Manchester City as obviously the biggest obstacle. I think if Arsenal can get a draw there, I think they have the time to rebound. I think they can learn from their past mistakes. I think this is a side that is a year older. But I want to know from Steve in particular, what was the difference against West Ham compared to Liverpool and compared to the rest of this season because Arsenal control their own destiny that the path of the title now runs through the Etihad. But what do you attribute the shaky knees late in the last two matches to? I think there were two very different events. The Liverpool match was, you know, some Liverpool magic to a certain extent. Anfield's a very difficult place to play. Holding on to 2-0 lead there is, you know, disappointing. They didn't get out of there, but, Ultimately, not too shameful. But the West Ham loss was just frankly naive, I think. Um, They didn't show a killer instinct. And credit to West Ham, I think that was the best West Ham has played in weeks. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, Arsenal's 2-0 up and should be able to walk that one through. They have a penalty to Saka, another chance to kill it, pretty much handed to them. And they didn't take any of it, in addition to letting West Ham back in it. Um, Again, those are two very different paths to disappointment. But um, yeah, the, the title's still in their hands. And the real issue is that the Eddie had, they built a cushion to where they could have lost. Now it's a must draw, basically. Yeah, or they return to form. They continue to play with the same ferocity, intensity, relentlessness that they've had for the season leading up to this and hope that a congested and... I'm just going to say it, and I know I'm going to get immediate pushback from Mr. Mitzner because they won without Erling Haaland, but they are not as deep as years past. So I'm not ready to say they're not going to drop points. we got a lot of matches left to go, but yeah, Arsenal does not 
need to hand them three points at the Etihad or things get real gnarly real fast. Tell me who takes points off of City. I mean, after Arsenal, after Arsenal, Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, Brentford, Brighton. The most likely of those sides is Brighton. I think this is a city side that has shown throughout the season they are willing to leave it late because of arrogance. And they're certainly more dialed in now than they have been. Jack Grealish is playing better than I'll I'll totally, totally go 360 degrees on this because I put him on my fantasy side this uh, two weeks ago, too. Jack Grealish is the fourth best player on the team, minimum. But, I mean, even go back to the Palace match, which wasn't that long ago. That was a soft penalty, and that's how they escaped there. I mean, I think they have a tendency to become complacent in a very different way. And they're going to have to jump through those hoops. And this is a very, very, very tough league with a lot of parity. I mean, I'm not predicting that Brentford will beat them, but if Brentford comes out of that tie 2-1, it's not going to be the most shocking thing that's ever happened. The Premier League is very, very tough, as we have seen. West Ham is a side that we've been making fun of. We've been saying that David Moyes is doing all that he can to fix matches. And then they do this to the hottest team on the planet. There's a lot of ball to be played. I yeah, look, look, I, I agree. And maybe I'm overreacting, maybe I'm I'm being a little bleak. It's worth noting that Palace are a completely different side. We we talked about several weeks ago. It's like for how good this side has played all season, it was surprising that they were only on what, like 30 points. And they are now just demolishing people. So mm-hmm. they are a tough team to play. They're a tough ground to go to. But you're you're right. You know, a- anything can happen. Ultimately, I feel at this point, though, in terms of me tying this out, Arsenal can't they need to be flawless the rest of the season. And they need someone that I just listed out to ha- to, to do them a favor and to help them. And maybe it's Brighton. Maybe this is where Steve doubles his Brighton love, where Brighton beats City. Arsenal win the title as a result of that. Brighton leapfrogs into the Champions League spots could be a real fun story. Well, the best team that they play the remainder of the season is Arsenal. Arsenal very much has an opportunity to control this themselves. And, you know, it's a cup final, generic cliche, blah, blah. But, you know, if you want to be a champion, you have to be successful in these kind of circumstances. That's what you want to play for. And if Man City runs the table, including beating Arsenal, that's 14 wins in a row to finish the season, then like, cheers. Fair. Congratulations. No one's yeah. matching that kind of run. Uh, yeah. Steve, so so fair. Fair. Give me... give me, I, I, If that's how you go out, you can uh, sleep. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. What's your score prediction of that game? Like, like real... Like, the most brutally honest score prediction for that game. Arsenal-Man City? Yes. Two two. Three to two Man City in a really, really heartbreaking manner. I think it's gonna be three nil. I don't think it's close. And, and I realize that's crazy. Dude, trust me. From early on in the season, you guys know I have been very pro Arsenal. I have been very much on the I want Arsenal to win the title train. I just think Arsenal can possess the ball too well. And they know I mean Arteta knows Pep too well 
to get drilled that much, but I guess you have to go for it if they get up 2-0. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. My, my, my thing is that... Who does a draw favor more? Because I, I Arsenal, think, Arsenal, Arsenal. I think City has to go for it, and that favors Arsenal. Yes. I, I, I agree with that, but I think, he, again, if I'm if I'm Pap, I'm playing a little bit of, of, of put myself in his shoes. Um, you guys were exposed on mistakes against both Liverpool and West Ham. I would argue Man City is better at exposing and taking advantage of mistakes right now. They actually break. You could have just stopped it better. Like, yeah, they're. they're... Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. But I, I but, but it's like uh, KDB, Holland, Grealish, the three that we've talked about, they break so quickly and they will snap on a mistake. And if it is Rob holding against Erling Holland. Yeah, that's tough. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's terrifying. If it's anybody against Sterling Holland, it's terrifying. I agree, <laughs> but especially if it's Rob Holding. Like, I, I love the guy. I think he's done a good job deputizing, but like that matchup is not good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Erling Holland versus Rob Holding is as good for a goal head start, but Arsenal can create chances against anybody. They did it against City last time. They made a couple of naive mistakes. If they clean that up, win a couple moments. It, it's going to be a really interesting game. And last time, Jesus didn't play. Party didn't play. Um, ben White did not start. And the first mistake came down the right with Tomiyasu. So fair, fair. I, I don't think this is a foregone conclusion. I don't think Man City is going to run the table. I think that this is, uh, the house is not quite on fire yet. I'll move on to the uh, obvious match of the week. But before I do, I must say that is there anyone you would rather have managing Arsenal for this tie than the man who knows the ins and outs of this city side like the back of his hand. The X factor here is Arteta. This match will define Arteta in a lot of ways. And I think he's made the right decision far more often than the wrong decision. In a lot of really dicey moments this season that have gone the wrong way or backfired. Um, Is Pep the greatest manager alive? Maybe. But I like Arteta in this match. So I'll be betting on a draw. But the operative question now, as we look a little further down the table, Tottenham will be playing Newcastle. Newcastle's form has been stellar until they ran into Aston Villa, whose form is matched only by cities. And we have Tottenham, who, I'll just come out and say it, stole the match from Brighton with the help of the FA. If Tottenham doesn't get three points here, can they just piss off as far as their top four hopes? Because I really don't think you can rely on United, given their form, even with the Rashford injuries, even with everything that has recently piled up. They're not going to mess the top four. How massive is this fixture for Spurs? How massive is it for Newcastle to show they can get back on the right track after running into an Aston Villa side that is understandably very, very, very hot, a very tough nut to crack. Steve? I would say this is probably a must-win for Tottenham. The kicker being that Tottenham plays Man United next. So they need to win one of the two of these games at the very least to have a chance to hawk down fourth place. Uh, But let's be honest, is Harry Kane going to score against his future club? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. But, but yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's what he does. He scores. Yeah, a couple of teams that had a tough last weekend looking to bounce back. I think Newcastle's a better team. This game is at St. James Park, correct? 
GG. Yeah. Um, and again, Aston Villa is just that was a that was bad timing on Newcastle's part. I think Newcastle's a better team. Um but yeah, maybe Tottenham can pull this off and hunt down fourth, but it it's starting to feel like it's congealing up there between Newcastle and Man United. No, it does. Um Mike, let's peel back the curtain a little bit on Aston Villa just to show them the adequate props. What are they doing so right to be able to steamroll everybody that is getting in their way? Um, So since January 1st, form table, Man City has earned 34 points, their tops. Aston Villa is second. They've gotten 32 points. That's one more than Arsenal's 31 staggering that's five more than man united's 27 that's seven more than brighton's 25 so on and so forth so unai emery came in i think that he came to a club where the expectations were i don't want to say low because aston villa is a historic club but there was a little less how many champions leagues do they have they have two Ooh, put me on the spot um (laughs) They've won it before. They they are a story quite the story yes, club. Yes, yes. Uh they've also bounced between the championship and the prem, uh, you know, at, at times, even in the last couple of decades. So what Uma, what Unai Emery did is he came in, he took a team where the expectations had started to become kind of low, and it was like, hey, we're 17th place, like we just we can't get relegated. It looks like he instilled confidence in the team. He employed a structure and a consistency within said team where they just look full of belief in every single game that they play. You've got McGinn scoring goals. Ollie Watkins all of a sudden flipped a switch, and he's absolutely on fire. Their defense is really impressive. I think that was the biggest thing that had gone awry for Steven Gerrard, is that their defense started just looking all sixes and sevens, and they've actually been managing what they have, playing Ashley Young, who is old, uh, how old is Ashley Young? Is he 39 now? I, I, My God. I, I think he's older than Don Cheadle. But in any case, <laughs> he, he's he been deputizing for Maddie Cash. Maddie Cash is supposed to be back this weekend. So it's really impressive what he's done. But I think the biggest thing is, is just kind of taking a step back, going back to basics. And then they started building from there. And um, they don't make a ton of mistakes. They capitalize on the opponent's mistakes. And... I think a lot of times, if you just simplify this game, this sport, uh, you know, and, and and just don't don't complicate it. And and he he's done that. He's found a very consistent starting eleven, and they they look like they truly believe they can beat anyone right now. And they are beating everybody. Steve, um, talking about the form table, we know what Newcastle did the second half of last season. Is it time to perk up and wonder if Aston Villa is going to be challenging for Europe next year, or? Uh... They have an ownership uh, discrepancy that might prevent that. I'm not familiar with this ownership discrepancy. What is that? They're not funded by the Saudi government. Oh, yeah. It's certainly a handicap. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> Sponsored by Saudi Arabia. I don't know. It feels like the funny The funny thing is, you know, they're obviously a rocket ship up the table right now. But Unai Emery is like magnetized to the Europa League. Mm-hmm. It's his tournament. He's wanted at Sevilla. He's wanted at Villarreal. <laughs> he doesn't want to be in the champ. Yeah, he's, they're going to make Europa <laughs> League, and they're going to do really well in it. That's that's probably as good as Aston Villa could hope for going into the season, certainly when they hired him. And I think that's a huge success for them. And he can't help himself. Like, that's the table he dines at. 
Yeah, and I, I think, I think they're going to do it, dude. At the, at the same time, at the same time, they're three points. They're three points behind Spurs. They're, they're like, they're within striking distance of Newcastle, six points. If Newcastle, let's say Newcastle and Spurs draw and Villa wins, like it is fully game on. Look out below, brother. Look out below. This is getting stalled. Oh, I, I really love Brentford. We were talking about them somehow sneaking into Europe a few weeks ago. That looks like it might be toast, but... Oh, yeah, they're pooping. It'll be quite a pleasant surprise if Newcastle, Brighton, and Villa all end up taking European spots. Dude, what's what's really cool is that... So we we were talking a couple weeks back. I'm obviously rooting for A that. couple weeks back, it was kind of like, all right. As you should. The, the top four is like, you know, maybe there's one, two teams that are kind of challenging to poke in there. Relegation battle is going to be where the excitement is. Now you look... And it's like Liverpool, all of a sudden, they're starting to actually look really solid. They're on 47 points. You've got one, two, three, four, five teams that all have a legitimate shot at top four. And then you've obviously got the relegation scrap, which is, you know, at this point, I think Crystal Palace is kind of getting out of it. But you got 11 points separating 13th and 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 bottom it's it's like yeah. at both sides of the table it is all of a sudden starting to tighten up it's like the only team that is stuck right now and just can't do anything either way is chelsea yeah and well, maybe fulham well once somebody convinces todd Bowley that if they get relegated they'll make it to the champions League, <laughs> which i don't think is the most far-fetched thing I, I, considering what he has been convinced of or is that what he's know, doing is that what he's he's like, hey, I heard that we gotta we gotta just that that fan that was yelling at him uh in the middle of the week telling him to leave his own owner's box because he didn't deserve to be there. I think that's what he was telling him was if you get us relegated, then you know, uh, we'll be in the championship. I just like it's the long play. It's the long just, play. Just just yeah, Chelsea's officially the second team to have hit the beach this year. fifteen seconds for me to just get it out. Again, a couple weeks back, it was I was losing my mind about it's like Todd Bowley, you fired Potter. What did you expect? You don't have any strikers. We go into the second tie against Real Madrid, have all of the best chances, all of the best chances should win that game four or five to nil. Cannot finish. Real Madrid has two quick breaks. Easy, easy square, tap in goals. They lose 2-0 in a game that they thoroughly, thoroughly dominated. It's like, I, I, Drogba. But you know what they did do? You know what Frankie Lampard did, managed to do? He created a blueprint for whichever Milan side, if by some act of God, Real passes Man City. Now that Milan side will have the personnel to do exactly what Chelsea did on Tuesday. But score. But score yeah. 17 yes, goals. Yes, yes. No, 100%. Like, like Chelsea... I've never seen Luka Modric play that poorly. Yep. I've never seen Tony Cruz in all his years as a professional just literally look pissy. I've never seen seven different people turn on your left back at the same time. Yeah. 
I mean, it was they stifled. They stifled Madrid. They I, when the lineup came out, I had someone uh, text me and say like, "What are they doing?" And I'm like, "This is actually good. Like they're gonna overload the hell out of the middle." And they did it. And Madrid just Liverpool could take a lesson from what they did today. Agreed, agreed. And Liverpool, the way that they've shifted Trent to a kind of he's he's lining up at quote unquote right back, but then he's shifting in. Klopp Klopp has adjusted that. They look actually really solid now. But just to well, what if you had Darwin through the middle ball hawking like that? I mean, uh, Dar- Darwin's Darwin's weird um, topic t- topic <laughs> topic for another day. But but uh, uh, ultimately with Chelsea, it's like they should be encouraged with how they played. But at the same time, it is so frustrating that you just you don't have a single guy on the team that can put it in the back of the net. Drogba came out and said, "I don't even recognize my former club." And it just makes me sad. It's like I had hope with Bully buying the club. And then he's just he's he's in the locker room, like, uh, you know, hosing down players and basically just, uh, you know, calling people out, uh, like specifically, apparently. And if I'm any player in that locker room, I'm like, dude, you thought that we automatically qualified for Champions League after you spent several billion dollars. You won an all star game. You are the epitome of the American that we hate, and I have to play for you. It's it's just he's created it. He's 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 ruined the Chelsea that I loved, and I think the fans fans are turning on him. And it's like, well, he's got. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but he's got he's got Drogba. Attacking the club yes. when at the, when we watch Frank Lampard and Ashley Cole, you know, literally standing there just like doing everything they can to make this serviceable. I I don't know. Uh, maybe that's out of bounds uh, for Drogba, in my humble opinion. But the man's always spoke his mind, and he uh, he stopped a civil war in the process. So I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I I, I realize I've gone took <laughs> way longer than 15 seconds. What I'll what I'll say is. I feel like Drogba recognizes that they overhauled the club in a lot of ways and it's not trending in the right direction. And it, like, like this is going to sound ridiculous, but I feel like less than a year on from Bowley acquiring the club, he needs to sell it or this turns into a Glazer situation and with a lot less success. Uh, yeah, a lot less success. And um, just to put a bow on this discussion, I think it is exactly what Steve said, Todd Bowley has forced Chelsea into a rebuild that was absolutely unnecessary. He created permanent problems. Irreversible. Yeah. Yeah. Lukaku's coming back. <laughs> it, it's, it's like... All right, next topic, please. <laughs> but we still, still yet to discuss whether Tottenham is actually worth a damn. They're not. They're not. short answer they're not so i'm guessing you like newcastle's chances ah dude villa's villa's all i listen i i wanna i wanna be right about my preseason newcastle pick i think it will come true uh i think it's i think honestly i I think it's between villa and newcastle i think i think those are the two okay which is wild because a a couple years back they were both in the champo the championship the second tier well we're here. The semifinals are set. We got Real Madrid, Manchester City, and we have the San Siro Derby on the other side. AC Milan against Inter Milan. Steve, 
Could you have dreamed this would materialize in a million years in 2023 after the state that Syria has been in for the last, I don't know, decade? Andiamo. No, this is obviously extremely surprising. First time Italy's had two semifinalists in an absurdly long time. Um, but, I mean, both these teams are underdogs going into their quarterfinal tie as well. So I don't think most people saw this coming, but they both very much earned the right to be here. Kind of a classic Italian setup. And you know me, I'm always here for a Milan derby, especially in the Champions League. Yeah, and the surprising thing, credit to Mike, he called it. <laughs> it's not Napoli that is one of those four sides. So let's pour one out for Napoli, who unfortunately ran into the worst run of form at the worst possible time, had injury pileups at the worst possible time, and missed a penalty at the worst possible time. Uh, missed or... No, uh, Monsieur Mike Mignon blocked it. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. Put some respect on his name. That, that's what I'm saying. I I, I want to make very clear that a penalty just, was not missed. A penalty was saved. There's a difference. I want to I hear the man's name. <laughs> that's what I was saying. That's what I said. I said could not convert from the spot against the great Mike Man. But you're still kind of, you know, it's, I don't know. I how we're swiftly I... denied by superhero Mike <laughs> there, Mignon. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's, there it is. <laughs> Anyways, I my point, you know who decided this tie? Raphaelio. The ever smiling Raphaelio. That run was Graziamo. He's so good. I know, and he smiles the entire game. So here's why I believe in Milan a little bit. Well, obviously they're in the semifinals, but of the AC variety. <laughs> I think that they have First, right of uh, the word Milan only. Yeah. I agree, but I for just you know for distinction. Yeah, again, we're being very clear on this episode. So in the Champions League, you want to be very very difficult to beat first and foremost. But as we saw last year, having one person on either end of the pitch that can kind of flip the tie by themselves is a get out of jail free card, or sometimes the thing that tips the balance. And they have Rafa Leao and Mike Mignon, who are two of the best match winners in the tournament right now so i don't know i'm starting to believe a little bit well i mean look at real madrid last year kareem benzema tiba courtois yeah that's exactly it Ooh, obviously greatest midfield um, of the modern era but ultimately it was the heroics from benzema and from courtois that brought that home yeah i mean you pointed out modris there's some important differences between last year's Real Madrid and this year's AC Milan, but having one of those kind of guys at either end of the pitch can be the thing that takes you all the way or gets you out of those messy moments. And now they have two. Shout out Messi. What's up? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, here's a fun stat for you, though. The last time AC Milan was in the semifinals of the Champions League was 2007 when they won it. The last time Inter Milan was in the semifinals of the Champions League was 2010 when they won it. Woo! Woo! These are two sides you don't want to have to break down in 90 minutes, no matter who you are. This will be a remarkable final. It's going to be amazing. Over under on number of flares that land on the pitch. Like 12 and a half. (laughs) I'm just going to put it this way. Whatever the odds are for both teams to score multiple goals in the final, 
don't care how bad of the odds are, it ain't happening. Period. Mike Mignon is the best goalkeeper on the planet at this exact moment where I'm you, talking. Whoa, whoa. And Andre Onana has been one of the Onana. best goalkeepers in this tournament so far. Onana's just clutch, man. He just rises to the occasion. And you know, I love this area. I I could not be more excited about this this uh, set of matches. Mania is growing into a historic figure, and he will be playing opposite one of the most clutch keepers we've seen over the last five, ten years. It's it's going to be remarkable. But we got the rematch of the moment. So Real Madrid and City, about as radically different as you can be this year compared to last year, even given the roster similarities. Both of the teams have incredibly different MOs. Real Madrid is much older, look much less poised. Their own form has not been the same. City are absolutely pulsing. Um, is this going to look in any way, shape, or form like last year's semifinal, Mike? It will not. You've got a Benzema, love the guy, really starting to show his age versus someone who is coming of age in Erling Holland. I think that, you know, Pep, Pep saw a lot of what Chelsea did to stifle Real Madrid and City's midfield is is playing incredible. The The only way that Madrid can get past this is is parking three buses and just praying to get a, a goal um, on a counterattack or a set piece. I, I think this tie is really one-sided, unfortunately. I think City... I think City keep rolling. Um, uh, love love the Madrid story, and it, it kind of feels like this is the the passing of the torch. Steve, I'm going to ask you the question that's going to be keeping Carlo Ancelotti up at night for the foreseeable future. How do you stymie Erling Holland? How do you break up incredibly fluid play between Jack Grealish, Gundogan, Resurgent Kevin De Bruyne. Bernardo. How do you stop those three center halves that are just clogging those lanes and pushing forward relentlessly with this Real Madrid side that is looking increasingly ancient aside from Rodrigo, Vinny Jr., and Valverde's pretty freaking good. I mean, you just named the three guys that are going to be extremely important. They're going to have the legs to punish Man City on the counter. Um, I think Real Madrid has players talented enough to win a one-on-one duel with most of these guys. Um, I think that they're composed and experienced enough to be fine in possession. But, you know, last year they didn't exactly steamroll City. They kind of survived until the end and they were able to take a couple of miraculous chances. I think it's going to look very similar in the sense that Real Madrid is going to give the initiative to City. They're going to be happy to take it. And I think the difference is that City has finally evolved to that next level and is going to not let Real Madrid hang around. But if they can clog the middle with, you know, four-man midfield, Valverde um, included in there to help out, helping down the right as well. Um, Maybe Kamavinga really takes the next step at his new left-back role and 
Vinny Jr. on the counterattack is as dangerous as anybody, you get a couple chances to fall to Kareem Benzema. Um, I've been more than shocked by a result by Real Madrid before, and Carlo Ancelotti is the magician. So, yeah, we'll see what he comes up with. So, before we move on, let's yet again stick our fingers in the air. Last week I asked Steve, City, or the field, and he said it's numbers, but it's close. I got to go with the field. Um, Mike, I ask you the same question. And who do you think is going to end up bagging this? I want to believe in AC Milan. I want to. Uh, I am proving to struggle to navigate with the use with the champions league. I, I think it's, it's just thrown up so many, it's been so exciting. It's thrown up so many, so many surprises that it won't go according to plan. It, it, that, no, that's what I'm saying. It won't. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, Oh, Ben, that's why ben, it's the great competition, yes. greatest professional competition. Yeah. In sport. It's, it's, you know, Ben, Ben Fica looks amazing and all like it, everybody is amazing at this point. I got to go with city on current form. And, uh, to Steve's point, you know, it's probably like that's that's where everybody's leaning. So that's probably not what's going to happen. It's just, uh, dude, Halan's clinical nature in front of the goal is just terrifying. It's terrifying. He gets one chance. He gets if he gets a sniff of goal, he scores. And he's the most mature young player I've ever seen. He is so disciplined. They are wrapping him in lamb's wool so to speak taking really good care of him right pulling him off at halftime after a game is done and dusted in, in the prem and, and he's just he's a phenom and he's still breaking every record it's it's it it's unbelievable they're wrapping him in saran wrap and in between he's literally just like annihilating the universe go, go back to one of our first episodes when i said he'd win over six ballon d'ors he'd win more than mbappe and you guys told me i was a nutbag six is a pretty high number how do you, how do you feel how do you feel how are we feeling about six how are we feeling about six now we're gonna see how city does this i'm year. not trying if, i'm not tr- if they bag the double then next year we'll make fun of you for predicting that he's gonna win five more <laughs> Steve, city or the field, or do you have another horse that you think in your heart of hearts is going to end up taking this home? Yeah, I'll take the field. <laughs> Why not? Just a field uh, of guy. Sure. It's always the field. I hate the field. So then who bags it? I mean, you know, I want to say AC Milan. <laughs> we both do. It's pretty tough to say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> based on me and Steve being like, there's no chance. It probably will be. Well, that's it's uh, the surprises aren't over. They have risen on every occasion yeah. to do what they needed to do in this competition against every style of play. This side is built for the champions league. And again, I'm not naive enough to say that it's not city against themselves at this point, but we know what Pep Guardiola tends to do when he has too much time on his hands. It's true. And if those players are not locked in to whatever game plan he has for that final, they're going to get eaten alive by a side like Inter Milan or AC Milan. And I just got a gut feeling Inter is going to Pep AC. I think the money's on Inter. Call me crazy. All right. 
We shall see. We shall indeed see. Well, guys, that is the current state of the Champions League. When we come back in the Just for Kicks podcast, we have MLS Corner. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. We have another edition of MLS Corner, and I have to start here because at the beginning of the season, Mike, you were telling us that these young upstarts in St. Louis, and you were given Steve the nudge, telling him he needed to jump on this bandwagon because they are going to be great. Yeah. But the story that has begun to emerge has been FC Cincinnati, of all teams. But guess what just happened? Our 6-2 and two St. Louis just murked, destroyed, picked apart Cincinnati. 5-1. to one. Man, they must be for real, right? Dude, from the initial whistle, Jared Stroud scored on three minutes. They looked like they were going to win the game 10-0. And then they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. Cincinnati got a consolation. It was Cincinnati's first loss. Cincinnati, with a single point, would have gone top in the East. It's worth mentioning they were without probably their best player in Luciano Acosta. But St. Louis looks so full of belief. Their fans are so leaned in, active on social, loving the squad. It reminds me of what I got swept up in in Austin last season. And there's such a good vibe around the club that the sky's the limit. You know, we, we kind of talked about they're probably not going to finish top. But for now, they don't believe they deserve anything but that. And LAFC is right on their heels. I still think that they're the cream of the crop. But yeah, man, they're they're a really fun story. Um, you know, their their sporting director who had brought Roberto Firmino to Hoffenheim has done a great job in assembling this squad. Probably gonna bring Bobby to St. Louis in the middle of the summer. He'll bolster. An already very talented side. I, I I love watching them play. Wait, wait, record scratch. You think Firmino's going to come to the MLS? I do. Wow. I do. That, I imagine he would do quite well. Shout out St. Louis City, uh, best team in town. <laughs> <laughs> best, best team in the great state of Missouri. Makes you want to chop my finger off, but they're the best team in town. <laughs> yeah, well. Speaking of which, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent because he touched on this. My boys LAFC are defending champs. A little sluggish to start. Roster is still stacked, so we had an inkling that it would turn around. It's looking like they are finally looking the part. What do you attribute that turnaround to? They started Jose Cifuentes. We talked about it. We talked about it. We did talk about it. You said he was going to be the player of the year, and they were too dumb to listen to you. They benched him. So they started him, and they're starting the revolution again. Is that what's going That's on? exactly what's going on. I, I think that they just, the they're here. really well-rounded. Uh, Chicharito is back for their crosstown rivals. They still won El Trafico, and <laughs> they just, I love, I love so that. I love, I love that Darby nickname. Like that, oh, I hate it. I love it. I love it. Uh, but here's my thing. Here's my thing is the, the MLS. So as someone who as someone who lives four feet from their office and was in traffic for 17 minutes, I love yeah, it. Yeah. So <laughs> so 
the you can get the Apple subscription so you can have access to every single MLS game for the entire season, including the playoffs for seventy nine dollars. Uh, I am remiss to say we are not yet sponsored by Apple. That should be adjusted. However, I think it's great because this league is really turning a corner. There are different things that are weaving their way into the sport and the league in this country where my friends who have been even diehard soccer fans their entire life, like they really care about their hometown clubs now. And they're very into the players. Like we've hit a tipping point. And in Austin, where we are not performing well, there's a lot of changes that need to be made. It's not like people are like, pack it in, let's get out of here. I was at the game on Saturday. We played like crap, but it was packed. And every game for the rest of the season will be packed, regardless of how we're playing. Like People care about their team. And there are nicknames. I was pointing out to the person I went to the game with, everyone has some piece of, of Austin FC gear and so this is all tying with El Trafico where like rivalries are being solidified. The quality of play is getting better. People like Bobby Firmino, who still have a couple of really quality years in the tank, are considering coming over here. It, it's, it's really exciting. And I, I feel like the product is going to really hockey stick up the next few years. It is very exciting. But what, what, what is not exciting is, and you know, you did a, did a great video on, um, your social if you're not if you're not following Mike on social at just for kick Mets, um, Austin is not doing anywhere near as well as they were last season, which means that the just for kicks Derby might not have the ramifications of previous years. What do they need to do to turn it around? Yeah, so thanks for reeling me in. Um it, it's really frustrating. The the two of the DPs designated players uh, Sebastian Giussi and Emiliano Rigoni. Uh, Rigoni looks like he, he, he was signed late last season. He looks, I don't know if he's going to pan out. Giussi is a shadow of his former self. They need to get back to basics. They need to revert to a 4-4-2 and just get solidified. The spacing in between the lines is shameful. With a single pass, they're getting unlocked and breakaways are occurring nonstop. Goalkeeper Brad Stuver was player of the match in a home game against a mediocre Vancouver side without their best player. That should not ever be the case. Nil-nil draw. They couldn't score. They let too many opportunities happen. We, we talked about this earlier with Villa. Get back to basics. I, I like to say, act like you are five or act like you're 10 years old. What does a team have to do? Just focus on the very basics, line spacing. Don't try to get too cute. Don't try to be too fancy. Play ugly. Score a few goals off of set pieces. You start to build the foundation. You start to get everybody back in, bought in. Then you start to shift things. It's it's the, the big Sam Allardyce, who, for those of you who don't know, saved a lot of teams in the Prem from relegation. And what he would ultimately do is get hired midseason, Say, hey, boys, we're going to pack it in. We're not going to concede. We're going to take our one or two chances that we get in the game, and we're going to work our way up to not get relegated. And he did that with great success multiple times until he finally got relegated with a West Brom team that was just atrocious. So that's what that's what Austin FC needs to do. That's what reeling clubs need to do. You stop the bleeding first. Pop the tourniquet on. Get back to basics. And then you can start to decide where you want to go from there. Yes, that is. What you got to do. And 
Steve, most importantly, in terms of growing the MLS, giving them their due on the international stage, obviously things did not go well um, in the FIFA Club World Cup, but Philly does have a chance in the CONCACAF Champions League. What do they need to do to make a ruckus? Well, it's a rematch from last year's final against uh, LAFC, so MLS is guaranteed to have another team in the title match for the CONCACAF Champions League again. Uh, Seattle Sounders won it for the first time ever, or sorry, in the new format for an MLS team last year. Um, it'd be really, really great to see the MLS take that title home again, um, just kind of keep the trajectory going. And I think Philadelphia and definitely LAFC are really good candidates to do that. Um, so it's good to see the continued success on the uh, international stage. Uh, and that kicks off on Wednesday. Well, guys, that has been MLS Corner. When we come back, we will have our picks of the week and give you a little insight in what we will be tuning into this weekend. Welcome back to another edition of Mitt's Picks on the Just for Kicks podcast. Mike, the floor is yours. Line the children's wallets, especially the ones who are doing it illegally and have a problem. <laughs> Those are the ones that I'm really doing this for. Uh, no, bet responsibly. Um, stay in legal bounds. Do what you got to do. Uh, all right. Going to keep this very brief. Bournemouth is a gift. Uh, top bet plus 180 over West Ham. West Ham is getting the benefit of uh, drawing Arsenal at the London Stadium. Bournemouth is on fire. They're going to they're gonna roll West Ham at the Vitality Stadium where Bournemouth, uh, the place that Bournemouth calls home. So smash that one. Easy money. Wolves travel away to Leicester. Leicester, in my opinion, actually look like the worst squad in the Prem right now. I think they look worse than Southampton. I don't understand how these odds keep almost favoring them. So Wolves, who ran out 2-0 uh, winners against Brentford, a quality Brentford side, you're telling me that you're going to give me 2-1 to one on them against a Leicester side that can't score, can't defend, rudderless, easy one. And then my third one, let's shift over to MLS. LAFC is on the road against Nashville, but they're plus 165. I know Nashville has been playing relatively well this season. I still just don't really fully understand that line. LAFC can hit you from anywhere. I think that that's a really comfortable victory. So all of those are juice lines that you can take. And I, I, I would really recommend uh, betting your life savings. <laughs> no, I, 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 take them all. Take them all. Got to pick them all. Parlay them. Take them individually. They're like Pokemon cards, kids. You gotta take them all, or what are you doing? And that is Bournemouth plus 180 over West Ham, Wolves plus 200 over Leicester, and LAFC plus 165 walking in to the hostile grounds of Nashville and coming away with a victory. Yeah, it's just too easy, isn't it? Bournemouth plus 180, but don't call me a cherry picker. <laughs> Also, Wolves plus 200 over Leicester. Are they just copying and pasting Leicester odds from like five years ago? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, I, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, Lopetegui's not going to let them lose that match. I, I you know. Diego Costa finally scored. And so now it's like, let the floodgates open. Dude, they're so much better than Leicester. It's crazy. 
Yeah, whatever the whatever the Wolves Lester uh, no draw odds are, um, I think you can just not watch the match and be comfortable with that. Plus, but plus two hundred is just a plus two hundred is really 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 juicy. Mortgage your house. Yeah, don't so. mortgage your house. <laughs> parlay your house. <laughs> parlay your house. <laughs> well, guys, before we go, what are we going to be watching this weekend? I already said what I'm going to be watching: Newcastle Tottenham match of the weekend in the Premier League. It's going to be massive implications. Who makes the top four? It's going to be really, really bleak if Spurs can at least get a point here. That's 9 a.m. Eastern Sunday on USA. Steve, you traveling abroad? Yeah, I'm going to watch Real Sociedad versus Rayo Vallecano, 12.30 Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. little light Spanish treat or a pincho, if you will. A little treat after EPL and FA Cup for the day. Two of the more pleasantly surprising teams in Spain this season, Martin Zubamendi, number three, the midfield engine for Sociedad. Going to be hearing his name a lot this summer for transfers. And Rayo Vallecano manager Andoni Iriola, who is of New York City FC fame, um, manager name who's also heating up. They're eighth and only their second season back from promotion. Um, he's an athletic Bilbao man through and through, so it'll add a little bit of Basque spice. Should be a really good light Spanish treat. Yeah. Shout out John Rahm for that uh, Masters victory, uh, speaking of uh, Bilbao. Mike, what are you going to be watching on your parlor walls? Parting like it's Fahrenheit 451. (laughs) All right. So what I love is it's going to be kind of dreary here in Austin. So it is a full day of footy, which is amazing. Uh, I'm going to be watching a lot throughout the course of the day, but I'm going to be capping it off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Austin FC travels to LA Galaxy. I want to see if Austin makes any changes, if Josh Wolf can write the ship. LA, uh, sorry, yeah, the, the Galaxy are looking improved. I think it's a fun match. I hope it's a fun match. And should tie out a really fun day of Saturday fixtures uh, in a in an exciting exciting fashion. Before we go, Steve, any fun facts for us? Yeah, Casemiro, Erickson, and Fernandez played uh, together again this week and got the victory against Nottingham Forest. They have now 17 games unbeaten when they play together. Um, got another match this weekend against Brighton in the FA Cup. And to all the Gunner faithful out there, happy St. Totteringham's Day. First time we've celebrated in a while. Mike, do you have anything you would like to add? I have a, I, I, yeah. Um, I'm already, it's weird. I, 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 there's so much left in the season that I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's starting to get to that point too, where my head's going to, you know, if Newcastle Villa are in Europe next year, who do they snag? I feel like Rodrigo, who we talked about on this episode, I could see him lining up for the tune. So, uh, as I as we start to watch these games unfold, it's fun to start to think about who's going to be making moves where. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, a month left in all of the European leagues, and so much is going to change. I just, I'm here for it. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the Just for Kicks podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at the Just for Kicks podcast. Our Twitter handle is Just for Kicks FC. Make sure to follow Steve and Mike on Instagram. You can find Steve at Just for Kicks GK. That's for goalkeeper. And you can also find Mike at Just for Kicks Mets. Also, 
whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify, or whether it's anywhere else, the wide world of podcasting, make sure to find us, write a review, give us a rating, give us a good rating. We'd really appreciate that. And keep coming back for more great content. I'm Joey. It's been a pleasure talking to Steve and Mike, and it's been a pleasure sharing our joy of the beautiful game with all of you. Good night and good luck.